0: Okay, so you know I love good wordplay. And Third Love is crushing their wordplay here. When you have a bra that pinches or slips or just isn't comfortable at all, or is comfortable but isn't your style, you've got problems. <laughs> How excited was Third Love when they thought of problems? Well done, Third Love. I see you. When you wear Third Love bras, My sister just texted me 99 problems, but pinching isn't one. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code podcast15. Think about how delicately you hold your baby, you dress your baby, and you feed your baby.
1: We do that because they're adorable, of course, but also because their skin is delicate. Know this, there is only one diaper brand that we recommend to give you the gentle, protective care your little one needs. And that's Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand.
0: Their Swaddler's diaper absorbs wetness better versus the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection. It's Match. That's right. So download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards.
2: I walked through fire. I came out the other side.
0: Welcome to We Can Do Hard Things. It's our favorite day because one of our favorite people in all the land is back with us today. Her name is Jen Hatmaker. You may know her from all the other things. (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) What we're talking about today is um, this rhythm of life. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And this rhythm of life that I started noticing was when I looked back at the time that my marriage imploded, my first marriage because of infidelity. And it felt like not in the moment, I didn't know what the hell was going on in the moment, but when I looked back on it, it felt like there was a distinct rhythm to that time, which was first, it was just utter pain and shock. Then there was this waiting time where the shock started to wear off and I actually had to do something. Yeah. Right. It's like the pain is your house falls down. The house you're living in falls down. And then the waiting is, okay, now I have to like brick by brick, start building. And then there's this third phase that is the rising, hmm. where you look at this new house that you were forced to build that you never wanted to build, and you're like, "Oh shit, hmm. this house is even better than the house I lived in before." It's almost like it was all necessary to have a more beautiful life and then this this rhythm of life, you know, I think in the in my first book, I wrote about it as Easter. It's like, Good Friday is the pain, and then Mm. Saturday is the waiting, and then Sunday, Easter Sunday is the rising. It's like fall, winter, spring, Mm -hmm. dusk, night, dawn. This pattern of growth is built Mm. in to Mm. the rhythms of of science and religion and all of it. So to discuss this life rhythm, our dearest, fiercest Jen Hatmaker is back. Jen, if you haven't listened, please go back. Not Mm. you, Jen the pod squad. (laughs) Please go back to episode 86, Jen Hatmaker, What We Win When We Lose It All. If you haven't listened, you must listen to that. In that episode, Jen discusses the sudden implosion of her marriage, the pain, but what we didn't get to in that episode was the waiting and the Hmm. rising about what happens after the life you built implodes. And when you have no other Hmm. chance, but to Painstakingly build it back. So, Jen Hatmaker is the New York mm. Times bestselling author of For the Love and Fierce, Free, and Full of Fire, along with 12 other books. Wow. She hosts the award winning For the Love podcast. So freaking good, so helpful is the delighted curator of the Jen Hatmaker book club and leader of a tightly knit online community where she reaches millions of people each week. Jen is a co-founder of the Legacy Collective, a giving organization that grants millions of dollars towards sustainable projects around the world. She is a mom to five kids and lives just outside Austin, Texas. Jen Hatmaker, thank you for coming back. We love you so much.
3: So much same. Hello, darlings. And worth noting is that I would like your listening community to know that we had full intention to squeeze all this into one podcast. (laughs) (laughs) What we said was, let's do the rhythm. Let's the, the men the rising, and we're gonna do it, and it'll be an episode. And we got approximately one tenth yeah. into it, and we're we're out of damn time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what happened here? Because the four of us are verbose. Yes, yeah. and um, we have a lot and, of pain, and we have we a lot, lot, of pain. lot of pain. It's a lot of content. Yeah, we have a lot of material. So <laughs> everyone was like, "Oh yeah, me too." Like, also in my like, we had so much to say. Exactly. So exactly. thank you for round two. Let's get to the rest. Of it. Let's get to the good stuff.
0: Let's do it. Okay. So set the scene for us first. If there's anybody who has not listened sure. to the first one, but tell us what you, because everybody has something like this. I think oh, that's it's like right. happens in your 40s or your, or maybe, I yep. don't know when it happens, but where the rug just whoosh gets pulled that's out right. from under you. So what was yours? That's right.
3: Really, for all four of us, we understand this in the context of marriage. Right. That's, that was sort of, we share this particular story of, um, sort of a disintegration, a catastrophic season of loss, and then a rebuild. This is a very, very common story arc. Mm-hmm. Just fill it in. It could be health. Mm-hmm. It could be your career. It could be other relationships that follow this rhythm. As you said, it's mimicked in science, in our poetry, in our religious texts. We pin it to the board with marriage, but mm-hmm. I think uh, our listeners can go, oh yeah, me too. Different stories, same trajectory. For me, it looked like, um, the end of a 26 year marriage. And so I got married literally as a child. I was 19. Mm -hmm. Couldn't even drink on my own wedding. Not that we would have in the Baptist (laughs) fellowship hall. Okay. (laughs) That's a no, that's a slippery slope right there. The glass of wine. The next thing you know, you're clapping in church.
0: I well, know. you know how much <laughs> Jesus hated
3: wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and Jesus hated that stuff. Jesus was always hated talking wine. about mm. how we shouldn't drink wine, wasn't he? Oh, I hated parties. He's like, don't gather and no. celebrate. No, not on my watch. No. Um, and so I was married literally my entire adult life. I didn't have a single second. Um, of adulthood uh, in which I was not a part of a marriage, one part of a couple. And then right at the beginning of the pandemic in July of 2020, um, I sort of lost my marriage overnight. Mm -hmm. So not not so much of a slow loss, although to some degree, and in our first conversation around this, to some degree it was, Um, but that wasn't something I was willing to admit at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I wasn't willing to admit the erosion as it was happening. Um, but the actual finale of it was overnight. Mm -hmm. Um, and so one day I was married and the next day I wasn't, and I was in a house by myself and we never shared a house again, um, after that day. So, um, and so, and we had five kids, um, at the time they were, uh, 14 to 22 they were sort of in this complicated space of being teens, teens and young adults. And then of course in my world as a, as a leader, as a writer, as a speaker, um, a person who's visible, fairly visible, at least in my world. Um, I had spent a great deal of my adult energy centering a lot of my work around marriage and family Mm -hmm. and, that was incredibly disorienting to all of a sudden not be a wife and having have lost a marriage, a one that I had championed, right? and um and so it's been a two year process almost on the dot. Mm. Two years and four days. Right. (laughs) Four days. (gasps) Two years and four days. Um, you know, isn't it funny how our body knows those dates? Yeah. Do y'all have that? Yes. Mm -hmm. Do you have any dates where even if your brain is not paying attention to the calendar, your body starts being weird? Mm, It remembers. Yeah. It just remembers. I noticed last week. I was like, wrong with my blood pressure? (laughs) So this has been that story Mm -hmm. of um, recovery, honestly, and then the audacity to rebuild,
0: Mm -hmm. um, which still feels
3: a little audacious.
0: The recovery and the audacity to rebuild. Okay. Mm. So let's talk about the recovery, the waiting, right? So did you have a moment where you actually remember understanding that you have had moved from the pain and shock and awe Period to the rebuilding period. Mm. Like, did the brick by brick, what did Mm. that look like and feel like Mm -hmm. for you? The trudging. I remember that time with you. But what do I do next? Because when you're a mom, you also don't have any choice.
3: That's right. I would say that for me, I don't think there's any one path through recovery, by the way. So for everybody listening, this isn't a template. Mm -mm. Um, Grief. Grief is its own deal and it will do what it wants in our bodies and it affects us differently. In my experience, it was a little bit, came a little bit more in waves. Mm -hmm. And so at the beginning, it was just a tsunami, an endless, Mm -hmm. relentless pressing you up against the wall, drowning in debris, like... Um, You just, there's no escape. You're going to die. Mm-hmm. Like you are going to die. This is going to get you. You cannot fight for the surface for one more second. Mm-hmm. Um, The tsunami will take you out. And then in my experience, it began to ebb and flow a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I would notice all of a sudden I would have a afternoon where I felt like genuine joy and I laughed and I didn't have a single bad thought for like 49 minutes. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I was like, I just did 49 minutes. That's my <laughs> longest stretch. <laughs> like I, let's write it down. You know, it was growing toward me, mm-hmm. this sense of stability. Um, and I was just like pulling my way on a rope bit mm-hmm. by bit. Um, and, if I were going to do it from a higher level, I would say right around the year mark is when I thought I'm going to live. That's when I knew at the year mark, I'm I'm past survival and I am going to thrive. Um, mm-hmm. But it took every single second of that year, every single second.
0: What did it look like? Like, what did the rebuilding mean? You're sitting there in the rubble. You were a wife. You're you are a mom of this little nuclear family. I think it's so funny we call it nuclear family, and we never talk about like nuclear things are really dangerous and always explode. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> oh. anyway, okay. Um, okay, anyway, so <laughs> do, do, do. so yes, nuclear <laughs> can go either way, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So talk to us about what that looked like. What did you have to learn? What did you have to rebuild? Like the lo- the logistical mm-hmm. things. Oh man,
3: oh man. At first. The question on the table was, how do I get through the fucking day? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. How do I manage a 24-hour period? The awake part and God in heaven, the, t- the sleep part. Mm-hmm. Oh, the sleep part was oh, a nightmare. Oh.
4: Don't you remember? Yes. yes. And then Wait, you wake it, up in the morning and, and, and have to remember it every morning. Oh, That, that is true.
3: Nightmare. Mm-hmm. So right at the very beginning, y'all, <laughs> Brene called me. Mm-hmm this was before I had even said in public what was going on, what had happened. I I was notably and visibly rattled and weird, Mm -hmm. um, publicly something was wrong, but I hadn't yet said, and somehow she knew. And so she texts me and she's like, I have one hour. I'm going to call you. Do you have one hour? And you know, when Brene asks you that you just clear the deck, Mm -hmm. And so, um, we got on the phone and she said, here's what you're going to do to survive. So this was survival. This was stage one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, she said, number one, you need to take absolute radical care of your body radical. Like this is your number one priority. She goes, I know you don't think this, I know that you don't think this is your, number. this is it. You're going to take radical care of your body. You are only going to eat good food. You are going to drink this much water today. I think she gave it to me in ounces. You're not going to drink. You are going to start moving your body every single day. I don't care what you do. If it's yoga, if it's, I don't care what you do. You're going to move your body every single day. You are going to figure out a way to sleep at night. Mm. So if that means you got to go to your doctor and get help sleeping, whatever it means, you are going to give your body sleep and Mm. you're going to meditate. i have never meditated. Are you meditating now? Do you meditate now? I still do it. It was so Uh monumental. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know. And then she told me, which I talked to you guys about this last time, but she was like, right the second you're going to order the book, Codependent No More mm-hmm. by uh, Melody Betty. And that's going to be your Bible. Yep. And that's what you're going to read. And that's mm-hmm. that's what you're going to start filling your brain with. Um, and, and I did all that. Mm-hmm. I did what she said. Number one, because I'm scared of her. Yeah. And number two, yeah. it felt smart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and so yeah. those like very primal measures. I mean, like we're just yes. in the in the bones and the guts of the thing, right? Yes. Like mm-hmm. we're not talking about how to rebuild your finances yet. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not talking about how to make a new power of attorney. Right. Um, <laughs> we're talking about here's how you breathe. Mm-hmm. This is oh, the way yes. that you breathe. This is the way that you drink water. Um I credit, I credit her intervention in my life um, with giving me some first steps Mm -hmm. to hang on to and just sort of get, just to survive the tsunami, Mm
5: -hmm.
3: Um, find a way to stay on the surface. That was at the beginning, Um, just to kind of stabilize my body a little bit. Um, Because our body tells us what's going on. My body fell apart.
0: Mm -hmm. Did y'all have physical symptoms? Jen. I never talk about this publicly, but before I found out about the infidelity, I was in bed for a year with an autoimmune disease. Yeah. Like, who knows? It, but I'm just saying that's freaking weird that my body was like, there's some poison here and we don't know what it is and we're shutting yeah. down. Yeah. Then I moved to Florida to heal that. And that's when all the, it all came out.
3: That's right. The body, it's wild. Uh, I- I think our bodies are, we're trying to tell us, and if we don't give them the, if we don't give them the attention they deserve and need, if we don't pay attention to what's, all our body is trying to say is you're in danger, girl, right? Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like ghost, (laughs) Molly, you're in danger, girl, you're in
4: trouble, man. That's like, you may not want to admit this, but we mm -hmm. see it clearly. Mm -hmm. And we spend all of our times trying to tell our bodies, will you please shh? we have all these things we need to do. It's just, it's important that we'll, we'll get to you. We'll get to you. Oh. One minute, body. Mm-hmm. And so all of those things that she was telling you were really just ways to make sure the voice came in louder yeah. mm-hmm. so that you yeah. could hear it, right? I heard that during that period, you started to refer to your body as she or her. Mm. Yes. To, as opposed to it. What do you think that did for you? I didn't
3: invent this. I learned this from Dr. Hillary McBride. She's one of my best teachers in terms of embodiment. Embodiment is new to me. That's a new idea. I, I don't think any of us grew up being taught how to be deeply in tune with our bodies or that our bodies, <laughs> right? I wasn't, were you? No, no I was I
0: was, we weren't. I was. was brought up to kick my body's ass and keep it in control That's right. and not let it get That's the it. best of me. <laughs> That's right. Right.
3: Damn her. You know, <laughs> like she's just our enemy. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I just always
4: thought that my body was just kind of an unfortunate container, like mm-hmm. carrying around mm-hmm. my
5: brain.
4: Mm-hmm. A um, thing, not even a not even a her. Like it, it. it is bothering me. I don't like it. I don't like it. And right. then, of course, you guys you know, I got
3: to layer on um a faith layer of oppression onto my body, which also said, in addition to this not looking right or being right ever, ever. Um, I was also taught that literally everything about my body, my instincts, Mm -hmm. my gut, my inner sense of knowing something is untrustworthy. That's right. right? Like lean um, not on your own understanding. Lean not. The heart is deceitful among all else. Who can trust it? That's literally words out of the Bible. (laughs) And um, (laughs) I believe that. So I thus thought if I like it, if I sense it, if I want it, um, if I prefer it, if I know it, if I suspect it, none of that can be trusted. No. So mm-hmm. thus it steered me into dangerous waters mm-hmm. simply because I was picking the opposite of what my body was telling me. Cause I thought that was called faithfulness. Mm. Um, and yes. so man, that is a hell of a thing to overcome mm. and reverse. And so embodiment is new for me. And Hillary McBride and her PhD work is all around this. And it's so profound. And she's the one who said, why don't you start calling your body a she and a her because she is you. That isn't, that isn't separate from your brain and from your heart and soul. That is you. Your body is you. And she is team you and only team you. And her only agenda in this entire world is to keep you safe and flourishing. That's (laughs) it. Um, She is looking out for you. She won't tell you a lie. Um she will tell you what's true. Now you may not listen to her. <laughs> that I can attest to. Um because I can look backwards and go, "Well, I didn't know." And we talked about this in our first in our first episode. But yes, I did.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I did. I didn't want to know. Mm. I didn't admit to knowing. I pretended like I didn't. I told myself a new story, but my body actually did tell me all along. <laughs> Wake up. Um and so I started referring to my body as a she and as a her. And I talk to her in the most loving of ways. And I think of her as my best friend. Like, this is my best friend. I don't know if I can trust anybody in the whole world. <laughs> I can trust her. Yes. I can trust my body. And when she tells me something, I'm going to be like, I'm going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to pay attention to your wisdom, um, knowing that that is the highest good for mm-hmm. my life. It's still hard. I don't know. How are you guys overcoming your problematic relationship with your bodies? Not just the way
0: they look, but who they are. Like who I'm done with are. mine. I feel like <laughs> I'm done with that, and I have. I'm, I'm I'm over it. I'm past it, Jen. How am I okay. overcoming? Congratulations. It? As everybody here knows, I would I will pass this question to to other people on this podcast who are a little better at this. It is the battle of my life. It is the confusing thing of my life. So I'm when you're saying these things, I'm listening to you and I feel like I'm hearing it for the first time. Like it's the most Mm. beautiful revolutionary Mm. thing I've ever heard. Mm. I don't know why it always feels Mm. like a brand new idea to me. You've always
3: been honest about this and I appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate you saying this, this is my crucible. Mm -hmm. I understand that I understand the the biggest mountain we each have to climb. And I appreciate you being honest Mm -hmm. and not making this tidy for everybody who listens to you. There hasn't been a single message we've ever received since the day we were born that wants us to know this, Mm -hmm. right? Nobody, nobody. There's a lot of benefits to us hating ourselves. That's right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's an enormous financial incentive for us to continue to hate ourselves. We have to fight for this one. Like we have to claw and fight our way to victory on this exact thing. And so I really appreciate your honesty.
1: So many things in our lives change, but not our love for Viore clothing. I love this ad. We're so glad that they continue to support the show. It's true. Abby is
0: obsessed with Viore. I am a little bit too. Do you think you have a favorite item?
1: Ugh, they're t-shirts. They never get less soft. They're just perfect for everything, for going to dinner, for actively going for a walk, for working out, whatever you want to do. They're the best. them.
0: you you wear them to work out and you wear them out to dinner. That is true.
1: I wear Viore tops. All day, every day. And you day. wear
0: them under suits and you wear them yes. to bed. It's everything. Okay. I mean,
1: I love them, but it's not easy to find clothes that look sleek and feel comfortable. I mean... I can use them everywhere and anywhere I go. Viori is an investment in your happiness. I promise you. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase, plus free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hard things. That's vuor icom com slash hard things. You won't be sorry.
4: I had to catch my breath when I heard you say all of your work around recovery, including with your body, is to believe what I know. And for me, that feels like the final stage. Of course, I have like this body dysmorphia and all that like physical things. But that made me think, how much do I actually, you know, the the, the voices I try to keep that on the side of not knowing.
2: Mm.
4: Well, because we know with our body and we believe mm-hmm. with our head. Mm. Right. Right. So so I guess I was just thinking about that a lot of, am I actually believing what I know? Am I willing mm. to receive that message enough to believe it? And then I think the final frontier for me is how do I distinguish between what I know, what I'm mm. feeling, and then either my trauma or anxiety response. You know, what is a knowing Mm -hmm. message and what is a message that is a trauma response that I'm like, I hear you telling me that. And that's because Mm. you don't feel safe, but you actually can feel safe in this situation. Mm. That Mm -hmm. for me is like the trickiest final frontier. When I feel something, Mm. is that just me overly protecting myself yeah, of this trauma or rightfully protecting myself. Mm. Is that, it's like Brittany Packnett Cunningham
0: just tweeted, is it my intuition or my anxiety? Mm. Yes. A I see what <laughs> you're saying. Yes. Yes. Right. We don't want to have an
3: overdeveloped fear response,
5: mm-hmm.
3: um, which is possible too. Um, I think the distinction is, uh, it's a tricky needle to thread. Um, I can occasionally give this maybe a 50% fail rate. Um, But I can occasionally discern the difference by noticing at what point is that response rising up? Sometimes, not always, because sometimes it's correct, but sometimes in the moment, like when that whole trigger thing goes off Mm -hmm. and our systems like go into overdrive and um, our adrenaline starts surging, all those trauma responses to keep us safe. Sometimes that, whatever I'm thinking in that moment bears a second glance mm. simply because my body is overresponding. responding <clears throat> um, I tend to be able to trust my instincts a little bit more when they come to me in the quiet of my own mind. Uh-huh. Um, you know what I mean? When I'm That's not, good. I'm mm-hmm. not in fight or flight. I'm, I'm quietly in my life and my brain says, we know something about my body we know something here. You know it. Let's examine this. This is a thing worth paying attention to. Um, that <sighs> tends to be a more trustworthy message. Um, mm-hmm. Although occasionally that fight or flight response is also right. Mm-hmm. It is also saying, run, run yeah. for the hills.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: It's a little bit of the
4: next morning. Now, mm-hmm. what is my body telling me? Yeah. So when it's a one-on-one conversation between you and you, it's... Mm-hmm most trustworthy and intimate, when it might be a kind of conversation involving extra people to whom you're reacting, maybe a little bit less trustworthy?
3: Well, I have what some people call a history of melodrama. (laughs) And it is possible. It is possible
0: that I occasionally over-respond. Mm-hmm. Once in a blue moon. So Jen, I have a question for you about this. This just came to me. I remember in the early, early days of our friendship, I, don't, I have no idea what happened. I can only guess what happened based on the fact that we got to this conversation. But I think my feelings got hurt about something. Mm-hmm. I'm just guessing based on my whole life. Okay. <laughs> and then we had a conversation and you were like, here's the deal. I'm not a sensitive person. That's right you and me are going to just have to learn about each other <laughs> because I am not a sensitive person. And I just remember being like, what does that mean? Wow. <laughs> okay. So, and, and I have learned that from you. Like, uh, I, I know what you me- meant I, by that over time, right? Mm-hmm. Is there anything about this process that has made you more mm-hmm. sensitive in terms of like, because sensitive can mean I will not sense that thing. Oh, Yeah. I am, right. I have a shell outside. I will not sense that thing. Mm-hmm. Like, will carry on. Yeah. Is there any part of this, would you uh, amend that at all? Because I I'm would. actually trying to be less, a little bit, uh-huh. a little bit, uh-huh. right?
4: Uh-huh. Less. So yes. do you think you're sensitive now? Or do you so think really, you were sensitive then and just didn't recognize it?
3: That's right. That's a really good question and an interesting observation. Um, that armor was a part of the way that I denied all kinds of things that I knew that I, that I sensed literally, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to sense that. I don't want to sense that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want that to be how it is. I don't want that to be true. I want that to fit the way that I wanted it to fit. Mm -hmm. And so thus I would choose desensitization Mm
5: -hmm.
3: toward it. Like literally I will not sense this in the way that I should. Um, some of this is Enneagram three stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, it is my instinct to prop up. It's just my instinct to be like, this is better than it actually is. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sensitive to the nuance of what's complex here or what is in trouble here because I want it to be shiny. I and I can Shiny. will it
4: to work. I can will this to work. I can take my efficacy, apply it to this situation and victorious we will be, you too. And Amanda, we can. Yes, that's the like, problem. That's you can. the problem. <laughs>
3: that's the problem. We sure shit can. That's right. And so um, um, I appreciate the observation, Glennon. And part of my recovery process and really rebuilding is that that armor didn't really serve me. Mm. Um, I I thought it was at the time, but I can look back on it and see that that actually hurt a lot of people, not just me. Mm. Um, that was not at all in service to my marriage. Think about being married to somebody who's impervious,
5: mm-hmm.
3: who has an armor up at all time, who is self-reporting, not sensitive, and you are trying to crack through. You are sending up warning flares everywhere that there's a disconnection happening and something is not great and this is not tracking and we are off. And then your partner is so committed to the narrative, mm-hmm. so committed to the shiny version of the story that isn't even real. You can't even get through to her. Mm-hmm. Like you can't even get her to engage what's, what's real. Guess what? That's hard to be married to. Mm-hmm. I, that would be really hard to be in a relationship with, period. And so um, this is something that I have learned about myself through counseling um, and that I've also done with my kids, this armored mom who can always just power us through the thing. It actually makes people feel lonely. Mm -hmm. That makes them feel alone in their feelings, in their response to something. It makes them feel unheard because they are, they are unheard because my quick response is, this is fine. It's not as bad as you think it is. What a lonely person to be partnered to. So um, me dropping some of that shield and learning how to be sensitive to my environment, to my relationships, um, to my own, my own inner voice is new. It's mm-hmm. new work for me. And I don't I wouldn't call it easy for me.
5: Mm-hmm. I
3: don't, I think it's hard. I don't, it's hard. I cry a lot. I don't like that.
5: Mm -hmm. I don't like
3: that. I feel my feelings a lot. I don't like them. Mm. So it's not like I'm just going, this feels great. Now I'm way more of a feeling person in the world. I think it's kind of bullshit. Like uh, it's hard. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then because I'm not practiced at it too, I'm like, am I, am I, is this, is this an appropriate response? Like, (laughs) Is it okay for my feelings to be hurt right now? Uh, you know what I mean. Is it okay for me to be bothered by this? Mm-hmm. Um, does this mean everything's doomed? Because that's my old mm-hmm. narrative. Mm-hmm. If something's wrong, it's all wrong. Mm-hmm. It's ruined. Mm-hmm. It's ruined. Mm-hmm. What, what's where's the redemption? It's it's broken. Throw it away again. That like I don't have good practice here, and so having to like be able to say this one thing can be addressed, and no one's going to die. Mm -hmm. we're going to live like, and maybe the thing will even be improved by like a genuine conversation around it, where you can say, this is the way that this is making me feel. And I just wonder if we can talk about it. So anyway, I'm learning this literally, you guys, when I sit down with my counselor, Carissa, I have to get a notebook in front of me and she will like write me a script. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a kindergartner. She'll be like, (laughs) then what you can say is, The way that this is making me feel, and I'm like, whoa, wait, what comes after that? Like I'm writing down, (laughs) like a a movie script. (laughs) So I'm literally having to learn language um, around it, but it's hard. Will I get better?
1: I don't know. It's so beautiful. You will. I mean, here's the thing. I feel like with all this conversation about sensitivity, I think what we're trying to figure out, especially women who either choose to armor or women who are like an open, gaping wound... (laughs) I think it's really important that the goal isn't just to feel for feeling's sake. It's like, hey, Hmm. I need to embody this sensitivity to sense my surroundings Mm -hmm. so that I can learn how to manage those feelings and the world around me and have it be kind of this symbiotic relationship with, with our environments, with our inner worlds, so that everybody, myself included, being the most important one, can actually evolve and grow. I think that sensitivity has a bad rap.
0: Yeah. Because it's Mm. really self-care. Yes. We all talk Mm. about candles as self-care, but sensing what your brain is trying to tell you, what your body's trying to tell you and believing it is really what self-care is and right? then
1: being able to manage it I think that what the, the word sensitivity yeah. has like a real oh. negative connotation because it's like oh you're sensitive like the world' you're gonna t- fall mm. apart yeah the world apart. tells women yeah oh if you're too sensitive then you're a fucking woman and good luck yeah and it's like, no, yeah. men also are sensitive, but they armor themselves and they that gives themselves mm. a whole slew of problems. Like it's about managing the the sensing that
4: we mm, have. Mm. Good. Mm-hmm. And also paying attention to why. Mm. Yeah. I think in some ways, when you're talking about desensitization, Jen, I think some people come by it just from little bitty up. And then some people come by it um as an adaptation. To their situation. You might come to a relationship like that, or you might become that in a relationship mm-hmm. if you're not getting your needs met. Mm-hmm. As your sensitive nature, you might gradually, as a survival mechanism over time, become desensitized because why would you keep those open if it's never going to be met, right? So mm-hmm. I think it's, it's it's interesting to actually look at yourself and be like, okay, is this a chicken or an egg, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or is it both because… It might be that I am now this hardened, desensitized mm-hmm. person, but that actually might be what I've been doing in this relationship to survive it.
3: Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's a great
4: point. That's some deep diving right mm-hmm. there
3: to go back and find a version of yourself mm-hmm. earlier to see, wait, has this has always been the case mm-hmm. or did I used to be a different way? Did I used to perceive the world differently? Did I used to receive information differently? And did I armor up just to keep going? Mm-hmm. That's a great point. And maybe it's a little of both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I could actually see a little bit of both in me. I think one thing that we sort of touched on last time, but this was a part of my rebuilding, was um, this whole truth that, because I, like y'all, I could point to these things that went wrong in the marriage and just say, that was the problem,
5: and I—I mm-hmm.
3: I could be right. People would sign off on that. Yeah, and yeah. be like, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, yep. Um, you are absolved. That's it. That's a t- that's a tidy story. Um, but the truth is that, however, I was operating inside my marriage, either by hook or by crook. Whether it was a way that I just kind of—it's my instinct that I've got to work to improve, or it's a response. Mm-hmm. Uh, either way it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. If I don't pay honest attention to my own patterns, my own responses, um my own way of assimilating information, um my own way of relating, that's my problem. Yep. I will walk that shit right into the next thing. Mm. Yes. And I'm all um frankly already walking it into all my other relationships as a friend, mm. yeah. as a sister, ah. as a mom. And so That I don't care for. I don't care for this Mm -hmm. information that um, this, 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 and this are my problems. Yeah. I don't love Mm. that. (laughs) Um, But either I pay attention to that or I'm going to find myself repeating the
4: exact same catastrophic relationship. That is right. That's fascinating because I think we often well, you're just going to repeat it in your next relationship if you don't deal with it now. But you're saying even with your relationship with your kids or your friends, what's an example of the way that those relationships outside of romantic relationships have improved or disintegrated because of this new self that you're bringing forward to them? Uh Uh-huh. Okay.
3: Well, um, as a mom, I think we touched on this, but my my new fresh understanding of codependency has absolutely characterized the way I've parented.
5: Mm -hmm.
3: Um, in that I, my preference is to do everything in my power to manage outcomes for my kids. Mm -hmm. I want to control their behavior. I want to control the results. Um, I want to make things easier for them. Mm -hmm. I want to clean up some of their messes and some of this is altruistic and some of it isn't. Some of it mm-hmm. is that I, I want this to look better than it is. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. Um, turns out kids are a mess. Uh, you know? the- just <laughs> the like worst. we were. They're just the they're worst. The, they're the worst. And so are we. <laughs> yes. Yep. Like, they're not any better than we were. No, like, it's tragic. They're doing all the same shit we did. <laughs> like- it's just that we know about it because of Instagram. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the problem. It's yeah. just they they could be less sneaky than we were. Um, <laughs> in fact, my best friends are here right now with me. They got uh, here yesterday, uh, um, in Minnesota where I'm at. And they were telling us that the youngs, that's what we call them. We all have all these youngs, like all of our kids are like in their twenties and two. The youngs were telling them about this new app. I can't with the new apps. I really no. can't. I just, I But somebody deliver us. Um, but there's like a new one called be real. Oh yeah. And it's like, the front and do you back. know about this? Yep. You, yeah. yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. Abby. Yeah. Front back one second of a day. It's just mm-hmm. like a one day thing. And my girlfriend, Jenny said, Caleb, that's my middle son. He's 20. She's like, uh it, it Be Real came up for me that said, Hey, you may want to be friends with Caleb Hatmaker. And she's like, and I didn't say yes. You know why? I don't want to see him being real. No. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, I don't. I want no realness. No, I don't want. I don't want real. I. No. I kind of think I know what it is, and I don't want it. That's right. Um, and so I was doing this thing with my kids, like the way that I was structuring parenting, where um, I would not let the chips fall where they may. Mm-hmm. I would let the chips fall on my plate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I would pick up all the chips, mm-hmm. stack them. Um,
0: <laughs> it's no good. It's, it's no good. good yeah. you like it's no good. It is Jenga.
1: With the 2024 games in Paris on the horizon, I've gotten nostalgic about my international career. And when I look back, there are a few things I would have done differently to make sure I made the most of my time abroad. And one of those things was to learn a non-English language more fully. A daunting task, yes, but a much easier one when you consider that Rosetta Stone can get you fast language acquisition through their intuitive, research-based, dynamic immersion approach. That's why they're the most trusted language learning program and have been for years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Whether it's Dutch, Arabic, or Chinese, don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, we Can Do Hard Things listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash we today.
0: I wonder about this with you because there's a certainty that like religion can give us a certainty or our stories about marriage you said you were championing marriage i for one actually think you're actually a real example of marriage now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that right i think you're like probably a stronger teacher about marriage mm-hmm. than ever before because mm-hmm. it's all like Thank you. real and but my question is i remember when i had to tell the kids that i was getting divorced it was awful the, the, to tell them that, but the reason it was so awful is because I actually remember three months before Tish looking at me and saying, promise me you'll never get divorced. Mm. And my answer to her was, yeah, I'll never get divorced. Yeah. My narrative to these children, when I mean, we talk about children only understand story, mm. my story to them was our family is not like mm. other families. And I wouldn't have used those words, but like, yeah. you're safe. Okay. This we are special. Like, sure. and so it was taking away the narrative that I had given them about mm. world order, about the way being human is, that was the most shattering. Mm. And I just wonder how have your stories changed mm. with the kids? Because were I able to do it over again? Were I able to like tell anyone right now who's raising little ones, it would have been, we are a group of people who are going to love each other one way or another forever. Yeah. But the thing about life is we never know what things are going to mm. look like. Do you know what I'm saying? Totally. Like presenting a different narrative with more nuance and what ifs and and less certainty so that when something happens, it doesn't feel like you're pulling that Jenga thing out and the whole thing's falling.
4: Mm. It's actually more safe. <sighs> it's more safe. Uh, yeah. I didn't have even
3: access to that truer story mm-hmm. before. I wouldn't have allowed myself to think that or know it or believe it or certainly communicate it. Even all evidence to the contrary, I would still and was still saying, everybody's safe. You are tucked into our little nest. The nest will never, ever be compromised. Um, And I thought it. I mean, I really believe that. And so I think there's, this is an interesting conversation to have with the happily marrieds.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, or more true, not necessarily the happily marrieds, but the ones pretending to be. Yeah. Um, whatever you are, like the marrieds, just, just the married. give it a big, the marrieds. I'm trying to go back to married mm-hmm. Jen and think how I would have received what you just said
5: mm-hmm. as a married
3: person. Like, would I have been able to, like, recognize the wisdom of what you just said? Or would I have been so committed to the thing that I've been like, not here. Mm-hmm. Like, not this zip code. Um, but you're right, because we, none of us are exceptional. I'm telling you, none. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nobody. Nobody is impervious mm-hmm. to betrayal to loss, to change, to trauma, finally rearing its ugly head, none, zero, Mm -hmm. there's no protection, none, there isn't one. And so, um, I think that story told to families, I think it would provide a a weird sideways comfort Mm -hmm. that really, no matter what happens, you will be loved. We will love each other. Like, we will still belong to one another in this world. Yes. No matter what the arrangement looks mm-hmm. like. Yes. And like I don't faith, think I could have done it.
0: Religion. Like, what we know is there is a force that loves us, uh, whatever it is. And like, holidays. Like, I was like, there's a Santa Claus and I will die on this mountain. Like, what? Then growing up just becomes a th- series of things your parents lied to you about isn't that so weird that <laughs> right? we all
1: accept that that, that we're like over
0: and, over. and then we do it to our own kids yeah <laughs> I, re- I remember telling them about telling Chase about Santa Claus and him going oh is that the thing well, about is that true about God too totally and I was like yeah. shit I don't fucking know let's just <laughs> No one teaches us what to do, Chase. Just we don't know what we're doing. We're just doing, doing the okay. best. I don't. Okay. They just let your, us be parents. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it was a bad call on yeah. somebody's part. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, what do you feel like? Gender, this category of things blows my mind constantly, and I don't understand what it is. So I don't have hmm. any answer for this. I'm just asking you. Okay. What is forgiveness? Is it real? Is it a decision? Is it a feeling? Is it like Santa Claus? <laughs> is it like Santa Claus? <laughs> That's right. Is, what we wanna, is That's it like, is yeah, it this is like, bullshit too, right? <laughs> like yeah. in terms of it's not real? Like yeah. what mm. is forgiveness to you? What's your version of it? Do you have it with your mm. ex? What is mm. the situation? Hmm. That's a big one. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah. I've thought about this a lot and had to kind of pick my way through it too, because As with anything, like, as with all of this, as with both recovery and rebuilding, I'm responsible for me. That's it. I am responsible for me. I am not responsible for what someone else does, says, thinks, chooses. Um, I'm not responsible. I am responsible for my words, my responses, what I decide to um, believe, what I decide to hang on to, what I decide to release. That's all mine. And so... Um, it's not true that we're always powerless, that we are just at the whims of what somebody else does to us. It feels that way for a minute. Mm -hmm. It does. Um, it's tempting to lean into a victim model because also that plays better. So it's easy to be sympathetic toward a victim. It's easy to rally the troops to your side. It's just neater. Mm -hmm. It's neater and it lacks nuance. And that's my favorite thing. Like, I love it. Like, can it just be completely black and white where mm-hmm. I am the hero? You know, like, it's, I love that story. Mm-hmm. Um, forgiveness falls in this camp. Um, this is mine to, this is entirely mine to sort mm-hmm. out. I can just tell you that for me, there's a minute where unforgiveness is my choice and I want to choose it. I'm choosing mm-hmm. it on purpose because mm-hmm. it feels good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's keeping my, uh, adrenaline active. Mm. Um, it's keeping me vigilant when I feel like, oh, this lack of vigilance, look what you got for it. This mm-hmm. is a fucking oh, mess. That's, that's um, yeah. you're going to have to pick up every one of these shattered pieces and figure out what to do with them by yourself. So you stay, you're pissed. You are, that's how I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. And for a minute that feels self-protective. And maybe it is, frankly, maybe it is. I've learning to not be super judgmental toward every iteration of myself in this process. Mm -hmm. Um, that it isn't just the one thing, um, that our reactions can run the gamut and it doesn't make them right or wrong. It just makes them what we needed that day. Mm -hmm. But for me, unforgiveness, which has its its cousins are like resentment and bitterness, um, fury. Mm -hmm. There's a place for fury. There's Mm -hmm. a place for all that, frankly. But after after a minute, it's so corrosive to my insides. Yeah. I I can't live like it. I can't. I just can't. I cannot live like that in the world. I cannot walk around in righteous fury in my brain every second. I cannot walk around bitter. Mm-hmm. I just, it's not my way. Like mm-hmm. it feels bad in my bones. Mm-hmm. And I notice that every thought I'm, re- I'm constantly writing dialogue and rebuttals. And I'm I'm tidying yes. up the story, by the way. I'm shining up my parts of it, mm-hmm. right? Totally. I'm absolutely coming out better than I was. Mm-hmm. Just give me time. <laughs> like every month it gets a little better, right? <laughs> like I can polish it and I do. And then I just start to feel so out of alignment. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it feels bad and I don't Mm -hmm. like it. And so the worst thing about forgiveness to me, it's so very helpful when that person is genuinely sorry. (laughs) You know, that's helpful. (laughs) Why can't that be the system? Right? Mm Why can't that be the system? Mm -hmm. But the truth is forgiveness has absolutely nothing to do with with that other person. That's right. Not one thing. Not one thing. It doesn't require their anything, not their participation. We don't have to sign off on the same version of the thing. Mm -hmm. We don't need a, 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 an I'm sorry. Although I did receive that, Uh, but we don't need, that's not it. That's not, that's bonus. That's Mm -hmm. bonus content. Forgiveness is an inside job. Mm -hmm. and it just is me deciding that in letting somebody else off the hook, I'm really letting myself off the hook. Like I really am like, Oh God, I can just exhale. I can lay the whole thing down. It's so heavy. Mm -hmm. It's so heavy to carry all that around every day and like keep hoisting it up and like, just, Oh God,
4: it's exhausting. So exhausting. That click something for me. When you said it's um, right after where it's useful, it's like the the unforgiveness and the rage and the fury is an engine. It's like an energetic engine to get you through those periods where you really do. You're looking at all the shattered glass and you are like, I need some fuel to start putting this back together. Because if you don't use that fuel If you don't have the unforgiveness and the rage, then all you have is just catastrophic sadness. That's right. Those are the only two options you have then. Mm -hmm. And catastrophic sadness is not an energetic (laughs) system. So how are you going to do the pieces? So, But once you get through that initial period where you need that engine to to drive you, to keep you on autopilot – then that energetic system is going somewhere it's no longer outside of you it's inside of you mm-hmm. wow. and it's just living in you when you don't need yes. it anymore to get mm-hmm. through the thing you need to do and yeah. that's when it starts to do Corroged. that same stuff because i still you. an energy like yes. and by the way it's not just to get
0: you through it's to get you safe again i feel yes. strongly that's about true. that like Mm -hmm. The anger and the fury is useful when it helps you reset the boundary that made you unsafe. So the first time I ever felt safe around Craig, I've Mm -hmm. said this before, was in the elevator. The first time I felt whatever the hell forgiveness is, is in the elevator after our divorce mediation. Mm -hmm. Because I finally was like, oh, I made made myself safe again. I did the thing where Mm -hmm. I can't be hurt in this exact same way anymore. Yeah. So I do think that like trying to find forgiveness when you are still completely as vulnerable to the person who hurt you is like Mm. a cart before the horse thing. Like maybe the anger Mm. and fury is to help us rebuild the boundary. But then after that boundary is built, it's just poison. I like that. That's
3: my experience. That is my exact experience. And I think there's so much compassion for women who are in the anger, fury, adrenaline space, Mm -hmm. and to use it for what it's there for. That's our body's response on purpose. That's a biological response for a reason. It is useful. There is a place for it. Um, But I think we can feel when the scales start tipping, Mm -hmm. right? When all of a sudden, I'm just starting to feel like a hateful person. And that's not my nature. Mm -hmm. It's metastasizing. Mm-hmm. I don't want it. I don't mm-hmm. want it. I don't want to go down like that. Um, and so at that point it is work. Mm-hmm. It is work to put the brakes on and to begin to choose healing. Mm-hmm. Cause that to me is the, that's the moment when mm-hmm. I tip from survival to healing and which one do I want to pick? Yes. Um, and, and I, I picked healing. And um, and part of healing is forgiveness. It just is. You can't have both. Like these don't coexist well. Um, you can't heal while you are like absolutely black-hearted,
0: resentful. You yeah. know what
3: I mean? You just and can't. You
0: say you say because people think of it as it should. But what's interesting about what you're saying over and over again is it doesn't feel good. It goes back to what we talked about in the beginning. Right. Like mm-hmm. that, it doesn't feel good in my body. I don't like yeah. it. I don't like I don't unforgiveness, like not like because somebody told us we should forgive, but it doesn't right.
4: feel good. She doesn't like it and nothing she to do with like what it. the other person deserves. Right. Like, I think that's the question. Does that person deserve to be forgiven is utterly irrelevant. It's do mm. you deserve that's right. and wish to carry this inside? That's of right. You? It has nothing to do with with what they've done
3: or what they're doing with it then. But what it will do, if we don't choose it, if we don't choose forgiveness, it also um, truncates any further work we're going to do on ourselves. Because the longer I carry the story, which is, this is all your fault, Mm -hmm. and you have harmed me, and I am pissed. That is a block for me being able to genuinely and honestly face some of my own stuff. Mm -hmm. I just can't do it. I can't do both. Mm -hmm. Um, It's either all your fault um, or I get to also face my responses, my Mm -hmm. patterns. I can't have both of those things. And Mm -hmm. so I have to make this choice. Am I ready to move into the work that's going to be required on my own heart and soul? Mm -hmm. Um, And forgiveness is the front door. To that moment. And I want that. I want that for me.
0: It Ooh. feels better. It feels better. Yeah. That's, that's shifting to me that yeah. you hold on to it. So you don't have to do your own shit. That's right.
1: That's exactly what uh-huh. right. I, I hate the word forgiveness. Yeah, I, I honestly do. I just hate the word because I, because it implies I now trust this per, other person. Mm, right. And that's just like, not what I think <laughs> of forgiveness. Forgiveness is all about personal work. I think of forgiveness is like, Oh, I'm letting go of that old story. I'm letting go of that old wound. I'm not carrying that with me anymore. I don't actually don't really believe that I'm gonna ever trust somebody truly Mm. who's wronged me in a a serious way ever again. Mm. And that's that's what I I think people assume forgiveness is. Like, no, 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 forgiveness is about self. I think that Jen, your reframe on that, that it's not about somebody else is really, it's beautiful.
0: Single-handedly impacting our environment for the better, that's a daunting task. But it's possible, and there are incredible people who are living proof that setting your mind to something and really being passionate about it will bring about change. The Goldman Environmental Prize is the world's foremost award honoring grassroots environmental activists. Each year, the prize honors six ordinary people who are making an extraordinary impact for the planet. If you look at this year's winners, you'll learn about Marcel Gomez, who exposed the links between a company's meatpacking practices and illegal deforestation, which led to a major boycott of that company's products. Amazing. You'll learn about Andrea Vidaure, whose relentless leadership resulted in California adopting its most ambitious emissions reduction regulations in history. And there are more amazing stories to discover I can't imagine stories more important than these. Find the stories of this year's prize winners at goldmanprize.org. Jen, we only have a couple minutes left, so I want to ask you this. So we all know the extraordinary genesis that has happened <laughs> over the last year, I guess, when we moved from the pain to the waiting and the rising. When you look at, you know, the house falls down, you build it brick by brick. Have you had that moment yet where you look at your new house or your new life and think, huh, I don't think I would trade any of this. You know, that Mary Oliver quote that someone once gave me a box of darkness and it took me years to know that this too was a gift. Yeah. Does it feel that way or does that feel like horseshit? It feels a hundred percent true. One hundred
3: percent true. Um, So much so that I feel shocked. You know, I feel shocked by it. Um, I um, made that shift over. Like, this is what I have. What am I going to do with it? Um, This is who I am. What am I going to do with her? Mm -hmm. I'm at the halfway point of my life. What do I want for the second half? Um, So I went from like management to vision. Mm
5: -hmm. Do you know what I mean?
3: Mm -hmm. I decided... I decided to build a new vision for my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't just going to manage trauma. I wasn't just going to recover from suffering. I was moving into vision. What's with a vision for my life? I got a lot of gas left in the tank. That is when everything got exciting. Mm-hmm. And that is when I realized I am way more capable than I thought I was. Um, I had phoned in big pieces of adulting mm-hmm. inside marriage. Like I just handed it to another person to manage. Some of this is an ordinary division of labor inside a marriage. Some of it was laziness on my part. Mm. Some of it was this um, learned helplessness I had done. Like, I don't know what my bills are. Mm. Mm. I don't know how much money I make. Mm. Um, that's dumb. I'm smart. Yes. Yes. I am smart. I am powerful. I make a lot of money. I have a big career. What am I doing? Mm-hmm. I'm not a dummy. And, but I was acting like one and, um, and that was a immature way to live. I don't care if I had the happiest marriage in the whole world, me absolutely checking out of enormous decisions in my adult life that affected our future, our kids. That's that was irresponsible. So me now, guess what? I don't get to do that anymore. Right? Like uh, Jen grow up. So me, like pulling up a seat to the table of adults and going, I've got to learn this. I need to guess what I am good at it. Mm. I'm good at all of it. Like I am smart. I am responsible. I am forward thinking. I know how to save money. I guess what I do. I invest. Girls, oh, I invest money. That's right. I invest money in the stock market. <laughs> um, I... <laughs> I have a whole new vision for my life. And it's not just financial. Like I have a vision for work, for what I want to do. What do I want my fifties to look like? I know what I want my sixties to look like. Mm. I know what I want my seventies to look like. You know why? I've charted it out. I made a vision. (laughs) Of course you have. (laughs) And I like shocked myself at like, what a good adult I am. I am such a good partner to myself. Like I am my best partner. I will mm. guess what? I will never let myself down. Never, never. I will trust myself all the way. It, in every direction. Like I am trustworthy. And so oh. this bit of it, I just keep looking at myself going, you were in there all along, Jen. Mm. It's not like, it's not like this is a new version of you. You've mm. always been capable. You have always been wise. You've always been thoughtful um you just didn't choose it you didn't choose those things in a lot of categories and so ha- being forced to choose them now oh hell i'm just like i feel so empowered and powerful in my mm-hmm. own life now so
0: much so like that's nobody. recovery that's recovery it's recovering a version of yourself yeah. that you always were before mm-hmm. you got all this stuff it's going back to the original plan for
4: you this mm-hmm. was always you. i like that thank god Jen, does it ever freak you out from where you sit right now? You just just what you just described. This was always you. you were always in there. You can fully trust yourself. Does it ever freak you out to think back and think, what if this wasn't chosen for you? Because from where you were, it seems to me like it would be very, very unlikely that you would have chosen this for you. So is it part of you in the oddest shit that could be possible feel sort of lucky that it got chosen for you? Yes. Yes. When
3: I tell you that, and I mean this, this is genuine. I wouldn't pick the path to this moment, the way that it went down ever. I wouldn't pick it. I wouldn't pick it in this way. I wouldn't have chosen This story, the way it went down is so, it was so much collateral damage, so painful for Mm -hmm. so many. I wouldn't pick it. However, at this point in my life, I feel so lucky and so excited that I get to choose and write the second half of my life. Mm
5: -hmm.
3: And it is mine. And guess what? I'm not a 19 year old bride this time. I'm about to turn 48. I've lived, I've learned, I'm smart, I'm wise, I've learned how to trust myself, I've learned how to trust my body, my instinct, my mind, my thoughts, my gut. Um, I've wisely chosen my relationships at this point, mm-hmm. though they're on purpose, every last one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the best me I have ever been mm-hmm. uh, by a mile. Mm-hmm. And so now, I just feel like whatever, I can trust the story I'm about to write. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was a baby when I started writing the first one. So was Brandon. We were babies. Mm -hmm. Like we were doing the best we could with like the weird little truncated story we'd been handed since we were born. Right. We did the best we could with all we knew. Um, but at this point, oh my gosh, like how exciting is this for me? Mm. Like love uh, this and I'm not for afraid. You. I'm just not afraid. I'm not afraid. Like, oh, this could happen again, you know? Or like y- you don't y- you could be betrayed in a di- no, it won't. No, it won't. I know. Like, I, mm-hmm. I it will not. It, I would know in advance I'm paying attention. Yes. I'm I'm eyes wide open in my world, in mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm learning how to be sensitive, which means having conversations before they're at level 10. That's, That's what good. that means, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you have them at level one. At level yes! one. Yes! And then it's a pretty level quick one. course correction. And Pre- then you just are like, oh, I, oh
4: now it's re- it's resolved? Yeah. <laughs> <That's>, okay. <laughs> Okay. I was just going to wait six months and just have to move. Yeah. Okay,
0: Jen, I just, I need you to understand that of all of the people in all of the land, you are just one of my favorite human beings to talk to in the world. In the world. You are so honest and so smart and so vibrant. And so I just, I just love you so deeply. I loved old Jen and I love new Jen and I love whatever Jen is next. I just... It's what you're saying is like it won't happen again, not because nobody else will betray you. Who the hell knows? But because you won't betray yourself.
3: Never. Yeah. I'll take my little self right into the next phase. That's right.
0: That's right. And to the rest yeah. of you, you don't have an X-ray thing. Just freaking listen to this again. That's your next great <laughs> right thing.
4: I love Can you. Go be with it's your girls. You. We love you so much. Love you so oh, we much. love you.
0: Bye, everybody. Mwah. I give you Tish Melton and Brandy Carlyle. I walked through a fire,
2: I came out the other side.